Today, we are hot and cold. How hot is the sauce? Could he go up to number three? What about Kayvon Thibodeau? How cool is his fall going to be? And who are the hottest names in this NFL draft season? We're going to cover it all. John Harris has a bone to pick with Eric Crocker, and I'm here for it. Welcome to Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft. Your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Draft Show. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And of course, as always, I'm joined by my guy, Ryan Tracy from Rogue Analytics and Locked On Chiefs. And we also have with us John Harris. He covers the Houston Texans and also has footballtakeover.com. We all want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. But, uh, gentlemen, I love when I saw the topics today. Uh, John Harris obviously covers the Houston Texans. And I was a guy who mocked Sauce Gardner at number three to the Houston Texans. I got pushback from some people. Somebody already messaged me. It was like, terrible mock draft. Why would you do that? Sauce Gardner to Houston. Come on, man. What are we? They're going to trade Laramie Tunsil. They're going to draft tackle. So before we get into Sauce, I need confirmation. Is Larry, Larry Mitchell, is he on the chopping block? Well, that's a great – it's a $64 million question on here, Eric, is is that. Is Larry, is Laramie on the block? Last year he played – he played four games and some change. He, he hurt his thumb in the fifth game, the fifth week against the Patriots. And there was a talk, okay, well, Laramie will come back this week. Oh, he'll come back next week. And then the season wore on and he never came back. So <laughs> I – it, there's been talk about Laramie Tunsil being being traded. Now, back in 2016, Laramie Tunsil was my number one in the Harris 100. He's from Lake City, Columbia, which is just down the way from Jacksonville, uh, where I coached for a while. So I, I've known Laramie and have followed him for a long time. And, and there's some there have been some crappy things that have happened to Laramie over the years. And I think because of that, there have probably been some some trust calluses that have built up. Like, who does he trust? He, you know, he's going to be very careful, keep everybody at arm's length, figuratively and literally out on the field. So I, I don't know. The fact that Titus Howard stepped up when, uh, you know, when Laramie was hurt and played left tackle and actually played pretty well, I think it created some doubt in people's minds of, wait a second, maybe this is what we need to do, put Titus at left. You know, Laramie can probably bring back with teams that need tackles like the one we saw in the Super Bowl could use probably a left tackle <laughs> that, could, that could reconfigure. And I mean, if the, if the LA Rams lose Andrew Whitworth to retirement, you know, the, yeah. the Rams just don't have any picks at that point, but they're cornering the market on a lot of superstars. So there's a possibility that Laramie could be, could be on the trade block. I, I mean, that's, that's just kind of reading, you know, my own tea leaves and just, will it happen? I don't know. It's a possibility. It- yeah, and then I think the question from there would be, do you want to create a hole just to fill that at the right. number three overall pick? You know, yes, if it's exactly. about money, maybe there's a way, hey, Lermy, you, you missed a lot of time. We want to restructure your contract and, you know, do it that way as opposed to just cutting him because when he is on the field, he is a good tackle. So I don't yeah. know if they'll go that route. But in this mock, I drafted Sauce Gardner at number three. Yeah. And, and first, before we get into it, I, I, want, I want you to hear just kind of my logic. And it was <laughs> – I. 
I know everybody talks about him being like this shut down corner and everything, but I think his biggest skill set is really his zone eyes. I, I think he has terrific zone eyes. I think he's physical coming up against the run. He's a long corner. I love long corners playing zone. They just cover so much more space. When he ran the 4-4-1 at the combine, I mean, we're talking about he's a guy that's probably in the mid 4 threes hand time, so he can run. I think he can cover a lot of gaps and kind of squeeze windows. And when you look at Lovey and what he's done in uh, Houston, you talk about that cover too that they like to run. I think he's someone that's tailor-made for that. Won't have to like, you know, mirror match the movement skills of these receivers all the way down the field. And if you do need to play man in the pinch, he can do it. But I think just getting that type of guy, that type of playmaker, I get it. It is pretty high, but he's a premium player. At that spot, number three, and and to kind of really kind of put a stranglehold on that defense because I'm looking at the corners and I see Desmond King and it's like okay, probably fits better at as as a slot, but I think you can't play him on the outside in this kind of scheme. But then you got Mitchell there. I don't even know if Mitchell's coming back, so I thought this was a, a prime you know area here to really kind of improve at the cornerback position with a premier athlete, but. Maybe they don't want a 6'3", 200-pound cornerback that runs a 4-4-1 that would be great in this game. What are your, kind of your thoughts on that? Well, I, I was sort of teasing when I sent the email that, yeah, I heard it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear it up. No, that actually wasn't the case. I heard it, and it, it's like one of those things, you know, when you see a dog that kind of hears something a little different, they're like, well, they kind of that little dog head turn. And it's, it's been the Aiden Hutchinson's or the two tackles or Thibodeau it's the first time I had heard really anybody put a different name in there. And I heard your, I heard the logic. You, you had said that on, on the, the show the other day. And I, I don't disagree with any of it. I really don't. I don't disagree with any of it. I think you're, I think you're dead on about sauce, the player. I think you're dead on about sauce, the fit. I think they may not do it though. I should say they may not do it. My, my gut tells me they won't do it because they do have some needs in the trenches. And if they do, to your point, if they do trade Laramie, then they are going to need uh, some people movers on the offensive line. And my, my gut tells me that and all this is sort of tied together. You got Jacksonville today who franchises Cam Robinson. Now, that doesn't preclude them from taking one of the two tackles. But if you franchise a guy and you got Juwan Taylor on the other side, and I think that Juwan's fine. He has issues, but he's fine. So you've got those two guys you're probably going to move on from Iquanu and maybe take Hutchinson at one. Maybe it's a surprise. Maybe it's somebody else. You get to two, Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell got a lockdown in Detroit. So now all of a sudden the Texans have their choice seemingly of the two tackles. And if they've traded Laramie, it would make sense. That's where they're going to go. But the one other thing I always think about is who do you play in your division? And if you're going to play them in your division, how do you slow them down? Well, obviously, we played Jonathan Taylor, played Derrick Henry, so we've got to be better against the run. That brings up one question we'll talk about a little bit later. But we also face A.J. Brown and Michael Pittman. Those guys are big, physical receivers that have torn us to shreds. And Sauce is the kind of guy that, A, isn't going to back down from them, is going to be up in their jocks from play one to last play of the game. He plays with the sort of fire that you want. And in Houston, with the number of players that have been traded or moved on, I'll be honest, this we really could use we've, – we've got some guys that are like, man, these are really good guys. But we have the proverbial, whose jersey are you going to buy in the store? 
<laughs> and you go put number one Gardner in the store, and I guarantee it's gonna it's gonna come flying off the shelves because people are gonna love the way that he approaches the game. It's not it's not crazy at all. I love that you you showed the chutzpah of putting it there, and it makes a ton of sense. I just have a feeling that if both tackles are on the board, and if Laramie gets moved, then that might be the direction. I feel like I feel like trenches if they don't trade down. And that's the other thing. I do think they will do whatever possible to trade down. I think Detroit will try. I think Houston will try. I think the Jets will even try. I think they will try and move down out of two, three, four at least. And they won't take pennies on the dollar, but I think to move down to add additional picks, especially for us where we've got a ton of needs. But Sauce would fill one for sure. And the last, and certainly at least you mentioned Desmond King. I saw this with Desmond last year. Desmond moved from nickel outside. Because we were playing a lot of Tampa, too. He could go out there and he could jam. He's strong. He's physical, even though he's short. But you could see him play, as I say with Sauce, he plays like the town he's from. Des is from Detroit. He plays like it. Sauce plays like that, too. It's just that he's 6'3 and almost 200 pounds. And, over oh, the way, he runs a 4'4'1". So, I think he would be a really good fit for us on a number of different levels. But I think that the trenches will be the way that we end up going. But if it comes to that, Hutchins, Hutchinson goes off the board and one of the tackles goes off the board, one, two. They took, if they went ahead and said Sauce Gardner, I would stand up on the radio show and just, I'd applaud it because that would be a guy that would add a lot of attitude to a defense that needs it. What are some of your thoughts on that, Ryan? I, I have no arguments with it whatsoever. <laughs> I don't have Sauce's top 10 player, though, is my only problem. Oh, I don't have him okay. graded as a top 10 player. So, like, for me, it's got to be, it's got to be closer there. Like if we're talking, you know, some of the other teams that could be maybe looking at that in like the eight, nine, 10 range, then I'm, then I'm all good with it. But yeah, it, it is about fit because my thing would be, if that's the situation you're in, I'm looking at a Quano all day, because if you, if you do move on from Laramie, you plug him in at left tackle. If you right. keep Laramie, no offense, you plug him in at left guard and yeah. you let him run with it and you just got better. So as much as I want to say, yeah, sauce fits and he can help you. And, and I completely agree, John. They need some edge, some nasty on that defense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, there, there's no doubt. We need some, we need some bad, we need some bad dudes. We need some dudes from Detroit, in all honesty. I mean, that's yep. that's sort of what we need. But to your point, you know, about improving that that offensive line, if they kept Laramie, it does not take either one of those those top tackles out of the mix because Evan Neal and Aquana both played guard at some point in their career. So I mean, if you go – I mean, look, Loving wants to go in and hammer people. So he wants his offensive line, new offensive line coach, George Warhop. He wants to move people. I mean, they'll run zone, power, gap, you know, man, man gap schemes. They'll do different things. But they want to move people. They want to, they want to create a physical mindset. So uh, I, I think it's on the offensive line is where I could see it happening. But Love is a defensive-minded coach, man, and he's – He's not scared. The one thing about Lovey, when he was in Chicago, the guy who scouted defensive backs was a guy named Chris Ballard. I think we know of Chris now. But back then, Ballard always found these guys. And he told me a great – Lovey told me a great story the other day. He said Ballard had this guy from Abilene Christian, and he's like, Lovey, you got to come see him. This cat can run. He absolutely can fly. You'll love him. They go to Corsicana, Texas, out in the middle of nowhere. And they work this kid out, and it's Lovey, it's Chris, it's Mom, and it's Danielle Manning. And they worked him out. 
Loved him. Ended up taking Manning a little bit later. Every single one of the, the guys that Ballard got picked were like third, fourth, fifth round or later. And they all turned out to be superstars, including a guy named Peanut Tillman. So I don't know if that's kind of the thought of, for Lovey too is, hey, we can get corners later. I think Sauce is that kind of guy. And we're a little different situation just because of that. You know, a little sauce in our building would not be that bad, I'll be honest. <laughs> right. Go get you and some Ryan, sauce. Get you. Ryan just wanted to see the two of us go at it a little bit, but yeah. your logic was so dead on. I, Ryan, I couldn't do it. His logic yeah, was I was trying. Yeah, I'll just make stuff up great, next man. time. Yeah, I love it. It was great. <laughs> all right, well, we might go at it about this. All right, we got Kayvon Thibodeau coming up. His draft stock, is it taking a hit? There's been a lot of interesting things throughout this entire offseason surrounding him decisions. Uh, to not work out at the combine, uh, comments he made heading into the championship game in Alabama. He was just talking. We're going to get into all of that and more. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about Bilt Bar. All right, in this time of the year, everybody's pretty much giving up on their New Year's resolution, but not this year. At least not me, because I'm sticking to my resolution by using Bilt Bar as kind of my replacement snack. All right, it almost feels like uh, it's not even a resolution because it tastes so good. You know, have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you are missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. And not just Built Bar. I don't even know why they say that. This is one of the best tasting bars, period. All right, the puffs are the first ever infused protein marshmallow. All right, they are fluffy. They are marshmallowy. They are not just a protein bar. They are a treat. And they are covered with 100% real chocolate. All right, puffs are a fan favorite. And with some incredible flavors, yummy cinnamon churro, uh, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They are so, so good. They're also going to be your new favorite, all right? All the Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, that includes the puffs. They are 100% real chocolate. They are low in calorie and high in all the right things, including protein. Replace your that with your candy bars. They are better. A typical candy bar, I mean, they can have anywhere to two to 300 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros. And I know there are some people that count their macros, all right? The macros, you'll be blown away by what you see because they are high in protein, low in calorie, and high in fiber, low in carbs. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to any candy bar, which usually has about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. All right, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and they have new flavors all the time, including this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. That's probably going to be one of my favorites. I just ordered the other day. Waiting for it to get here. All right, they're all delicious and new flavors are coming in all the time. And if you think of a flavor that you might like, they might make it for you. And if they do, I bet it'll be good. Our built bars are all about the taste. They want to make it taste good first. They want to make sure that it's delicious for you. And then they'll figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, but they do it all the time and they do not miss. Go to built.com right now, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off of your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. We got to get into it because Kayvon Thibodeau, we know he's a premier athlete. He's a premier player at a premier position, but does he have the premier mindset? All right. And, and, and real quick, just talk about how some of these NFL teams think, and maybe they're going to bypass it or at meetings, they, they met with them and they like what they heard, but they want you to be all about football. And, and, and I get it. There are a lot of people that have different things that they aspire to be outside of football. You know, maybe they want to be a painter or they want to be a doctor or whatever. And they play football just because it's fun. But when you are a team investing 30 plus million dollars in a guy, if he's drafted in the top three, 
you you kind of want to be selfish. And hey, I, I want this guy to be a football head. I want him to be all about football. And Kayvon Thibodeau had some comments before the championship game. He was just talking about how, hey, yeah, Alabama, they recruited me. Well, I chose Oregon because Alabama, they're all about football. You know, and I'm thinking about life after football. And then I'm just like, ah, it came out a little weird. And then he goes to the combine, t- runs his 40, tests. Okay, maybe not as explosive as you would have thought, considering how well some of the other edge rushers ran. And, you know, just didn't do any more of the workout. And, uh, you know, I, just a lot of interesting things. It may not drop him, but Ryan, we want to start with you. Do you think that there's a chance that some NFL teams might be taken back by some of his recent comments and decisions that he's made? I think there's a lot of teams that are probably taken aback. I don't know that it makes him drop. He's got a pro day. He can go prove everything that he didn't prove at the combine by running and testing and showing what he can do. The question becomes is how competitive are you? The big thing for me comes down that the night before you're telling media members, hey, I'm going to do everything tomorrow because I'm competitive and I'm here to show it. And then you don't. That's what it really what it comes down to because this is not college football anymore. This is professional athleticism. And that dedication isn't something that you can chintz on and still get by. You know, there's there a lot of hubbub a couple of years back. Like, uh, who was the uh, the dragons in comic book guy? Was it, I think his name was Miles Garrett, right? I think that worked out okay. So th- yeah. there's room for this to happen, but it's it's the minds of those GMs that are making their careers on the guys that they choose. And so I think it might it might have some effect. I absolutely agree. Ryan hit right on it when he stood up. He said, "I'm doing everything." And he puts his warm-ups on and he stands over in the corner. Man, I do not like that because it is. I mean, Ryan brought up a great point. You're going to pay this guy a bunch of money. And when he gets picked, he's going to be the face of your franchise more than likely. And when he steps up to the microphone, if I'm a, if I'm a, which I am an NFL team, it's a little scary as to what he's going to say. I was walking at the combine into the, that media room, and I, I was like, oh, it's time. I want to go over and hear some of his, his media conversation. Well, he stood right up, and he started talking about his Giants interview. Like, this is what they asked me. This is what they were telling me. This is what they were trying to do to me. Like, he gave the whole thing. And there's some teams that will tell players, like, don't even say that we talked to you. He's spilling his guts. And then he made a comment that kind of, that got me. He said, I've been dealing, he said, well, you know, what will happen? You know, the media pressure will get on you if you don't produce right away. And he's like, man, I've had media pressure since I've been a sophomore in high school. I was like, okay, hold on. Kayvon, listen, um, you have not felt the wrath of New York media or of the, the media in the state of Alabama or SEC fan when you didn't show up to play against insert name of school, you have no idea. Or what the media, or pressure's media all in general, right? Yeah, I mean, because exactly. during dead times right now, the, the, you know, you got these NFL shows that are on prime television, yes. ESPN, and they got to figure out things to talk about. And if you right. slip up and say one thing wrong, you are going to be talked about on every single show for a week straight. And people nitpicking at everything that you do. So that's one thing that some of these younger guys, maybe they haven't been exposed to it. They don't truly understand that. And they won't ultimately, if they don't get it, it's going to be a problem. Because I've seen seen players that sort of loquacious, sort of talkative, just kind of tell it like it is. And it just, 
not not minors. I mean, I hear guys talk and I shake my head, but I don't think it's going to impact too much. But I've seen coaches just pull their hair out when a guy does a podcast, you know, and and or does an interview and you know says something after the game. I mean, it's it's nuts what teams are thinking about, and you guys know it as well as I do. NFL teams and just coaches, scouts, th- those type people, they're risk aversive by nature. So if you can minimize the risk for them, they're, that'll, that'll help them. But if you amp up the risk for them, like, hey, man, I'm going to stick my neck up for this guy who's telling everybody what we do, how we do it, and what he thinks about it. Then he's going to tell everybody he's Jadavion Klein 2.0, but he's got better pass rush moves. Now, he might ultimately be right. He might be right because Clowney had one move, but he was damn near dominant with that one move and still is actually. But it's the only move he had. Kayvon's got like 12 of them. He's like Captain Caveman. He pulls them out of his chest like, hey, watch this move. A little half spin, do this. I mean, but teams hate that. They hate it. They do not want to be sitting there in the offseason. He's into year three. He's gone to a Pro Bowl. And he goes on Taylor Luan's podcast and he starts talking about he's the best pass rusher in the world. And you're like, oh, man, that's the type of things NFL teams just aren't going to want. He's a hell of a player, man. But I got a feeling the draft rooms are like, can we handle this? Kayvon Thibodeau is going to need, I think, a head coach like a Bill Belichick, uh, you know, like a Mike Tomlin, you know, somebody of that ilk that's been around and has seen it all kind of teach him the ways of the world to say, hey, look, you know, we had this guy. He was like this. It didn't go well. Let's let's rein this thing in. Kayvon Thibodeau gets to a young coach or an inexperienced head coach. It could end up being it could end up being a problem. So he can play. There's no doubt. I mean, absolutely right. no doubt. And, but, and that's the thing. We, we yeah. don't want we don't want the you know, this is a small aspect of things. But when you go to the combine and you are a top prospect like he is. Right. We're, yeah. we're talking about him for a reason, because he is an elite prospect. He is a guy that is expected to be taken in the first three picks. And if he doesn't, it will be interesting. I think there'll be eyebrows, right? Well, why didn't he go higher, right? You talked about him on the field and the pass rush moves that he has. I mean, just the speed, the burst. When he wants to play strong against the run, it's incredible. He has all these different elements to his game. But, you know, along the way, you kind of got to learn the ways of the NFL. And maybe, you know, maybe he does. Maybe he creates his own lane. And people are just like, all right, that's just Kayvon, and that's just how he is. And he goes off, and he has an amazing NFL career. I bet those teams, or whoever takes him high, maybe it's Detroit. I know they won't be mad at that. But we're going to get to some more boys that really splashed the Georgia boys. And not just the defensive guys. They got an offensive guy or two do some really good things as well. We will talk about all of that and more all right, guys, we, we got the Georgia boys. And I know everyone's talking about Jordan Davis' performance. And obviously, yeah, Walker as well. But, you know, there are a couple other guys I want to mention real quick, briefly kind of gloss over before we get into the big dogs. But you had George Pickens, all right, son of Carl Pickens, which I didn't know until about a month ago. All right, but, yeah, George Pickens. And this was a guy who barely played last year. I mean, he's going through injuries. When he was coming up, I mean, this is like freshman year and stuff. You're thinking, man, when that guy comes out, He's potentially going to be the best receiver in college football and a first-round prospect. Well, he's dealt with some injuries, and that hasn't made this process any easier for him. Came back late in the year, but, you know, he still looked kind of like he was recovering. Well, I was expecting him to not really do much, go to the combine, maybe run a, a four or five three and say that was good enough for him. But 
his unofficial times were, I believe it was like 4-4-3 and 4-4-0, and, and his official was 4-4-7. But I said, man, at 6-3, being able to run that way and be able to, you know, win vertically and the contested catch guy that he is, I thought that was tremendous for him. And then another guy that they're not really talking about a whole lot about his performance here was James Cook, you know, the running back. Now, I think he helped himself a ton because he was measured or, you know, on, on paper on the Georgia website, you know, uh, 190 pounds. So he's just viewed as this scat back, maybe quick or, you know, whatever. Obviously a terrific receiver, but maybe all he's going to be is a third down guy, almost like a Darren Sproles or whatever. Go ahead, goes to the combine. He weighs in at 200 pounds and runs a 4-4-2. I thought he helped himself tremendously as well. So y'all can touch on those guys if you want, but I kind of wanted to give them their flowers a little bit from the performance because they're kind of getting left out of the talk about all the Georgia boys and how well they did. Most of the guys are talking about the defensive guys, but there are a few guys on offense that did their thing as well. I don't think uh, – Eric, you hit right on it. I, I thought George Pickens – before George got hurt, I was convinced he was a top 15 pick. Now, he's you know sort of like the guy we talked about, Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, Pickens has had some immature issues. He had, an, he had an incident on the sideline where I think he sprayed water at an opponent or a, or a ref or something like that. And that was kind of the tag that followed him. He's a little bit immature. But, man, when he is on the ball field, whoo, man, he was fun to watch. Then he tears his ACL, and it's kind of like, boy, what do you do with this guy? But then he comes back. So, A, the fact that he came back for a team that really could use a perimeter threat I thought was big. And then he makes that big catch. He didn't make a ton of catches. He didn't get a ton of plays, actually. He makes that catch in the championship game. What I loved about it was the fact that his ball skills, the awareness of catching the ball, he's going to the ground, and as he's going to the ground, to quickly tuck it so that it's a catch, as opposed to you know kind of fumbling, not having it. I think he's got tremendous hands, even though they're small. He's got great hands, vertical. I, I think he is going to be a wild card in this thing. There's going to be some team, I think, that looks at these receivers coming off the board and are going, "Wait a second, Pickens is still there." Hey, hey, Johnny, what'd you think about him when you scouted him when he was healthy? Oh, he's a big time athlete. Hey, let's do this. Because I think he's got a tremendous amount of upside uh, at 6'3 plus at right at about 200 pounds. I mean, he's right in that sweet spot. I think Pickens is really going to catch on. But those defensive players, man, the one defensive player I don't think is getting as much run as I, I think he should is the safety, Louis Cine. At 4'37, I mean, he's a Texan, so obviously I'm a little bit biased. This guy's a heat seeking missile. But he was sort of the CPU unit, the CPU with of that Georgia defense with Nicobe Dean. It was Cine and it was Dean who kind of communicated throughout. And there's a play in the national championship game. And they showed it during the combine. And I was glad they showed it. He was in man coverage. And they ran, they ran, I think at the time it was um, it was not Mechie. I don't think it was oh, it was Slate. It was Slate Bolden. They ran him across, basically trying to pick off Cine, who had him in man coverage. Cena comes from the, the other side of the field. The ball's a little behind Bolden, so he's got to kind of react to it as he turns. Cena hits him two yards deep in the backfield from all the way across the field. And I thought, Whew, man, yes, heat-seeking missile. But I think Cena in a class of safeties, that's not – I mean, I think it's the safeties are more kind of your flavor because, to me, Hamilton's the, the clear cut. But do you like Dax Hill? I like Dax Hill. Um, I got him at, top, at 25 in Harris 100. But then it comes down to Jaquan Brisker. Do you like him over Cine? Yeah. Do you like Petrie and what Petrie can do? Because it's a little different. <clears throat> I think safety is going to come down to what your flavor is, what your scheme is. 
But I'll tell you this, Luis Cine, one of the Georgia guys, I think he's got a great opportunity to jump up high in that second round. And sitting in, in – look, I have no idea what we're going to do at safety. If Justin Reed doesn't sign, we got a hole back there. If, if we went as high as I think we're 35 in the second round, if Cena ended up there, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed – at all with the physical presence he could bring to a defense, the smarts and the speed in the coverability he's got. I think he's one guy that got himself a lot of money this weekend for what he did. You know, I know Ryan is yeah. talking about a guy. There, there's a guy that we haven't even mentioned yet. So go ahead. I know you want to talk about your guy. Give him some love. Oh, there's on a guy. Defensive line. There, hold on, though. <laughs> I got to cut you off, though, because you mentioned some offensive guys. Can we give Z White a little credit? Because he okay. was faster than Cook. Because he out-jumped Cook in every measurement this weekend, and no one's talked about Z. White, who's the Damn. slowback out of Georgia, right? Come on. Like, well, I, he didn't I, play I, as explosive. Like, he he I, wasn't but, as explosive on the field. He didn't play as fast as Cook. And we okay, saw Cook fine. be I more dynamic that. when he got his limited touches on the field. He His yards per carry was better. Maybe it's because it was limited action. But also as a pass catcher, being able to outrun defenders, outrun uh, Alabama defense as well. So I think we just saw – the explosibility, and then you see him, you know, run well. But yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. White was he much bigger, and still, I believe yeah, he ran a four four one off the top of my head. Ran a four four one at the uh, yep. combine. So you know, yeah, that that was really good for him. I mean, this was a fast class at the running back position in general. Yeah, I, I think Trayvon Walker made himself some money as well. I think there were questions about whether he can actually play the edge. I think his athleticism showed that. Does he have to refine some things? Does he have learning to do? Absolutely. But he, he was asked to play such a specific role at Georgia. I, I think the athletic testing gives you that breath to say, hold on, I, I can still put him out on the outside and let him mature a little bit, and I'll be comfortable with that. But uh, but I do have to give John all the props here because Zion McCollum is an athlete that does not come along very often. Uh, not in eight classes has someone scored this well in the athletic matrix, the Ooh. thing that we do over at Rogue Analytics. And that is a combination. You, you guys will be able to see that eventually. But, John, you had it a long time ago. Like, you, you've seen this kid grow up. Did anything that he did in terms of his performance surprise you or is exactly where, where you expected him to be? I thought the everything but the four, the 40 was a, a bit surprising. I thought he would end up in the 4-4 four, four range. Yep. But we're on four four three three now. We've all said it. it was a fast track. They had new turf. I mean, they were flying. But I watched I watched Zion grow up from the time he's a true freshman. Came out of Galveston Ball High School, and I started calling his games when he was a freshman. And Casey Keeler was like, "Hey, man, we got these twins." And I was like, "Okay." He goes, "Tristan and Zion." He goes, "Look, Tristan's a good player." He goes, "But Zion, keep an eye on Zion." I'm like, all right. So I watched him, and I was up there in the spring of 2021. I was calling a game, and and Zion, the FCS players had a really interesting decision to make. And that was, do I wait for the spring season or do I just go declare for the draft right now? It was a really kind of tricky spot. And the, the brothers decided to stay together. And, you know, look, we're going to play the spring. We'll come back and play the fall. We never had a red shirt year. We'll just lift, get stronger and do things in the weight room. And so they were able to stay together. And essentially their, fret, their red shirt year was a spring season in which they won a national championship. So it turned out for them. But I knew the testing would be really good. I didn't know that he would run that fast in the 40. But here's the, here's the other thing, and, that, and this doesn't get measured in the testing about Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State. At the Senior Bowl, you can see him on the sideline, like teaching the defense to his fellow defensive backs. Mm. I guess a smart dude. He is a smart guy. Uh, his brother, I hope, gets an opportunity to get to a camp because his brother's a good player too. He's dealt with some, some issues. He had a concussion this year. Uh, but Zion is... 
Zion's a, a he's a baller. You know, just a guy's a baller. He's a great, great kid. And one of my great friends who I you know grew up with, a guy named Roddy Williams, is his agent. And he told me, so yeah, I got Zion. And I was like, you're welcome. And he's like, oh, man, I knew about it before you told me. I was like, no, nah, man. I'm t-. So I sold Zion pretty hard, and I was glad to see for him. He deserves it because he's such a great kid. He's a great baller. I think he's going to be in the league for a while. And you talk about a player that would fit with, with our squad, our defense, and do the different things. I think he would fit perfectly in our defense. Uh, and it would be great to have a Sam Houston Bearcat with us. And there's another one. There's another one that didn't go to the combine. And if you talk to Brendan Marion, you know it. Jaquez Ezzard, keep an eye on that guy. He didn't get – his speed is going to be great, but every other measurement is going to be off the charts. This guy can ball. But Zion McCollum, I was glad to hear, Brian, when you said that to me about his testing because he deserves it, man. That kid is unbelievable. He is awesome, and he's going to get to an NFL team, help the community, and be an awesome, awesome professional. That's great stuff right there. And that's what you want to hear about these prospects, guys that you're going to be getting in the NFL. And it's not so much – about the, the player. Obviously, you want them to be good on the football field, but a lot of these guys are talented. What's going to separate them? It's the person that they are, how they conduct themselves, doing stuff in the community. I think all those things are awesome. All right, but that's going to do it for this episode from Eric Crocker, Ryan Tracy, John Harris. We are going to get into more discussions about this draft class. Probably touch on a little bit more of the combine with our guy Rob Rang on tomorrow's episode, but we want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. That's going to do it. We are out. Peace.